And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on Today's Experience. It's fantastic, phenomenal, always fun, usually somewhat fascinating. Friday as we head into the weekend, not being afraid if the earth gives way or the mountains fall into the seas because... Our help comes from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. Now we're going to get to that in depth later on, but we're going to do a little bit of a helicopter view right now. It's the great hall of fame of faith, and we get to this expository, I think, in about six months or so. This is about a race. Did you know that? It's about a race. It's not just the human race. It's a personal race, and many people need to be aware that this race is mapped out or marked out from God's perspective. No, you don't know every twist and turn, but God does. Next, the scriptures give us the key to endurance. They do so by focusing on the life and strategies of Jesus. The portion we're examining is critical for you and me to get it. And a huge key to this process has to do with our vision, and it has to do with writers and carpenters. You like that? That's a good line. It's writers and carpenters. And it has to do with the common struggle of Christians. Wow. It's uh, it's plenty of empowerment waiting for us to use. We'll get to that. And finally, we'll examine how much God loves us and proves it to us by the reality that he disciplines us. So much for worldly love, which is so filled with confusion and lies, it almost seems demonic. Almost. More like totally, dude. But the bottom line is that the humanities humanities dictionaries appear to be decent, but they are deficient or worse. Only God has a dictionary that is always accurate. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. That's good. Personal revelations, spiritual observations, my life's insanities, and oy vey, so much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can reach out to us. You can do that by email, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. You can do that with your name or without your name. You can use a fake name. You can use no name. You can use your brother's name or your sister's name. I don't care. Whatever you want to do is fine. You can also call us at 972-445-0770. And when you call 972-445-0770, you have the privilege of talking to Captain Chris. And then you will be... I love that. I'm sorry. I think it's just fantastic. 
Anyhow, if you have an opinion, a thought, a comment, if you have a question, something that's rolling around, if you have something that you just kind of like want to get off your chest and you just want to talk about it, not complaining, just trying to share and trying to figure stuff out, or if you have a prayer request or a praise report, or if you have an answer to Bible trivia like this question right here in Ezekiel 37, the prophet sees a valley of dry what? Ezekiel 37, the prophet sees a valley of dry what? Got to answer that. Uh, if you think you know, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at org. I will say that Eric sent me an email about a television show, and I don't think he's listening uh, this day. Usually, he'll if he can't listen on Friday, he'll do the podcast. But he mentioned something about The Chosen, the show The Chosen, having some kind of special on Sunday. So I don't have all those details. I'm sorry, folks. But try and look it up. Maybe look up The Chosen special Sunday, that kind of thing, and see what comes of it. And then uh, perhaps you can have an opportunity to get blessed by it. That would be my uh, uh, general question. All right. So Kirk missed the questions. So we got to ask it again, so i got to help him out. We're like a very personalized group, right? In Ezekiel 37, the prophet sees a valley of dry. Now, the problem would be if somebody answered that turkey. Then you'd have a real problem. Okay. We ready to have that? Okay, go ahead. This is David. Who am I talking to? Audrey. Hi, Audrey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy that I'm done with the uh, homework for the rest of the year. I can't even tell you. <laughs> Just so oh, happy. wow. Well, that's that's a shouting uh, moment. Yeah, it's so good. It's like uh, Noelle said, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> well, going to do. always good. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> good for you. Yay. Good for you. <laughs> All right, here you go. Classic uh, Christian question that uh, gives you an Old Testament connection. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet sees a valley of Dry bones. That is correct, Amundo. <laughs> you are so right. A valley of and, dry bones. That's excellent. An, ar- an army of dry bones. That's right. And let me ask you: Did, did when you first heard Go the ahead. question, did you know right away it was the bones? Yes, because I've been on a sabbatical and I've been spending my time between three a.m. and six a.m praying and reading scriptures, and I've been living in 37, Ezekiel 37, calling forth people that are unemployed to get jobs, and also businesses that have lost contracts to get uh, new contracts and get new businesses. How fantastic of you. That is that is a great, great ministry, a great, great thing, and we pray the Lord bless you in that effort, strengthen you, encourage you, and give you much fruit and much testimony from it. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. You got it. You got it. Good job, by the way. I appreciate the answer. Thank you for your service. Uh, God bless. God bless. Bye bye. All right. See, that's how we're just it's kind of like a family kind of thing. You know, I I turned off my clock. I probably shouldn't do that, or <laughs> Chris will go, "Hey, hey, hey, you're missing your mark, Dave. Hey, 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 hey." <laughs> okay. All right. Let me read this. <laughs> This is so good, and I, I will never do this text justice ever. So 
just enjoy as much of it as you can. Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 12, verse 1. This is after the Hall of Fame of Faith in chapter 11, right? You know the Hall of Fame of Faith talks about all the great people, all the things they did. This is the very next chapter, what it has to say. Verse Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, the therefore is tied to chapter 11. Because of all these great people doing all these great things and these great works of faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses— let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So there's, you know, 500 things you can pull out of this, but we don't have that kind of time. Let's just nail down a couple of really, really, really big ones. We are running with perseverance a race that is marked out for us. Does that mean you know every step on the race? No. But does an omniscient, all-knowing, knows everything there is God, know everything that's in your race? Yes. Is he telling you everything? No. In fact, one of the great things about the Lord is he knows so much, he's just not telling so much. And so uh, that uh, goes from Gene Edwards. God knows, but he ain't telling. It's like a great line. And so the idea is to understand you've got something. It's, a, it's marked out. In other words, God knows what's going to happen. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it's a race with perseverance. So that means what? It's not a sprint. Okay, that means it's not a 50-yard dash or a 60-yard dash. Remember in school, they had that one day where they're like, now we're doing the long-distance running, and you were like going, and it's like that was the one that took forever, and then there was always either one kid who was like, I can't do that, I have a note, or, you know, <laughs> just you know, some kids would like do half of it and then come back in and the other. You know what I'm saying. That, that long-distance, that's the kind of race that's being talked about. Okay, here's a very big challenge for all of us because we're so surrounded by this unbelievable cloud of witnesses, all these great people of faith that we were looking at in chapter 11. The scripture says two things that are quite the challenge. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Two things that we're told to toss. Okay. One, whatever it is that we get caught up in that consumes our time to such a degree that it not only hinders our walk, it hinders our life. I don't know what that is for you. It can be anything. It could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of little things. The little foxes spoil the vine. It could be a huge one thing. I don't know. But if you've got something in your life and it's hindering you, the scripture is telling you, toss it. You can't keep doing that. Okay? You can't keep letting it rob you. And then the other thing it tells you to do is get rid of the sin that so easily entangles you. People don't want to admit it, but all you have to do is say the phrase besetting sin, and whatever pops into your mind, that's the one. <laughs> it's so easy. And uh, it says, you know what? You don't have to be bound by that sin. You can ask God to give you the strength. You already have the power and authority. You might need the strength to get past it all to get where you need to get. That's the beginning of this. Wait till you see where we're going from here. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? All right, Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. This was the first 
a psalm that was read to me when I went to Bible college, the very first class I ever took in Bible college, a bazillion years ago. Let me just say that. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their suffering. Here is something to consider that will be just absolutely a mind blower. How should you and I respond if the earth falls out of its rotation? (laughs) Okay, so... So my uh, brother-in-law works for JPL and is actually one of the people that helped write the program that helped land the Mars rover on Mars. He helped write the computer programming, okay? He's much smarter than me in those realms, okay? About my age, a little younger, about my age. Very, very intelligent guy, right? And uh, he's the one I always make a joke, you know, what, what, what? keeps the earth, you know, rotating. And so you'll hear me say uh, that it's on a perfect 23 and a half degree, uh, you know, a rotation uh, from the moon and from the, the exact rotation from the sun, or it's three mice chasing a piece of cheese and a wheel. <laughs> One of those two. So uh, the idea behind that and that whole story is the earth is in this absolutely perfect rotation with, uh, with uh, the moon and the sun. And without it, the earth would go through a free fall. Just even a half a degree off, it's over. It's all over. I mean, the, 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 there would be instant tidal waves. Everything would just be upside down. And if that ever happened, you know, you would know that's the end, although that's not how the end's going to happen. We already know from Scripture. But here's what the, the psalmist is saying. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter if your world seems like it's upside down. It doesn't matter if it's out of rotation. It doesn't matter if there, the mountains fall into the sea. It doesn't, doesn't matter if the waters roar. God is a refuge. And a refuge is a shelter in a storm. You would first think of a lean-to. That is what a, a shelter in a storm is. So when it's raining, you find a lean-to, you put something on a tree, you put it uh, you know, against something else, and you get under it so you're away from that. And it says that God is a refuge, a strength, an ever-present help, which means he's helpful today, not just when it's all settled in eternity. And there's that lies a problem for some Christians is they keep thinking, well, in the sweet by and by, everything will get worked out. Well, that is true, that everything will be completely worked out in the sweet by and by. But God is an ever-present help, which means for today and not just for tomorrow. And then the position of the psalmist is, therefore, 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 in other words, it's a conclusion. So God is our refuge and strength, okay? So he's our lean-to in a storm. He's our ever-present help. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Let's get ready for our next trivia question. This is a good one. You guys should know this one. I am going to say that. You should know this one. In the vision of Revelation, which church... Okay, let's rephrase that. In the book of Revelation... I don't know why they put vision there. In the book of Revelation, which church is described described as being neither hot nor cold? Okay? 
in the vision of Revelation, in the book of Revelation. I don't like that word vision. It should be book. Which church is described as being neither hot nor cold? Al has answered. I cannot repeat his answer. <laughs> Well, that's a good one now, but I can't say that. You know that. Uh, if you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. The email definitely works because Google sent me something about selling something in the Ukraine, which I know has no bearing on anything anywhere. Uh, so you can answer that. Which church is uh, known as being uh, neither hot nor cold? Uh, you can uh, let me know. And in the meantime, I hold in my hand two, two little funny stories. The question is, do I do the one that's more esoterically funny or the one that's more simplistically funny? I'm going to let Captain Chris choose. What do you think? Should we go esoterically, like more mind-oriented funny or just simple funny? What do you, what Let's do you keep move? it simple. Okay, keep it simple. A uh, little Philip <laughs> was walking home in the rain with his mother following Sunday worship. It finally stopped raining as they rounded the corner, where to their surprise and delight appeared a vivid double rainbow in the sky. Doesn't it look like an artist painted this rainbow, his mother exclaimed. I get, I'm just going to say, God painted this just for you, Philip. Yes, replied Philip. God did do it, and he did it left-handed. Confused, his mother asked him, what, what makes you say that God did this with his left hand? Well, said Philip, we learned in Sunday school that Jesus sits on God's right hand. <laughs> you want to do the esoteric one? Do you need a little? Okay, all right. I'm going to do this with one. Oh, relax. It's Friday. Now, for those that don't get this, I have nothing to say. This is absolutely hysterical, okay? Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And his disciples answered and said, some people say you're John the Baptist returned from the dead. And others say Elijah or one of the prophets. And Jesus answered and said, but who do you say I am? Peter answered, Thou art the Logos, existing in the Father as his rationality, and then, by the act of his will, being generated in consideration of various functions by which God is related to his creation, but only on the fact that Scripture speaks of a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, each member of the Trinity being co-equal with every other member, and each acting inseparably with their interpenetrating each and every one and every other member with only economic subordination within God, but causing no division which would make the substance no longer simple. And then Jesus answered, what? <laughs> See? <laughs> was that a good one? What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so funny. He said, what? Uh, that's, that's exactly, that's how people would answer today. And Jesus would be like, okay. Sit down, Sparky. That's what he'd say. All right. Uh, in, the, in the vision of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, which church is described as being neither uh, hot nor cold? Okay? If you think you know the answer, reach out to us. I already gave you the number, 972-445-0770. Text 214 
or David at umsincrease.org. Let's get back to the text. Here we are in the next portion of Hebrews. Here's where we go. So, therefore, since we're surrounded by such great cloud of witness, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, on something you've heard me teach on on this show you know, multiple times and we'll never stop doing. That is this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The text is telling us what to do to keep going. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. This goes back to the Jehoshaphat jam where Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's the approach. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The, uh, it says the pioneer and the perfecter in this translation, but typically it says the author and the builder. And the reason why I like author and builder is the, the simple reason. What does an author do? He, he writes the book. And what does a builder do? Well, he, he builds the project there, right? And that's what you are. You're a book and you're a project. So I like carpenter. I like the carpenter author kind of analogy there, okay? So for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And that therein lies the wisdom. It's not that you're going through the persecution. It's that you will come out the other side of the persecution, and when you do, that will be the great time. Our light and momentary troubles are not worth comparing to the weight of the glory that we'll be jumping into. Uh, Roger, uh, Roger again, a uh, uh, friend, said, you know, the good passage to go along with some of this is casting your care upon him because he cares for you. While you're going through this process, and tr- instead of trying to bear everything on your own, let it go, let him take it, and focus on what is forthcoming by the promise of God. How do you know that promise will come to pass? Because the Holy Spirit living inside you doesn't let you get away with anything. Because of that, you should know, well, then that just means the the good stuff's coming. And so fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the author and the builder, the, the writer and the carpenter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what was coming, and he was able to endure because he focused on that. Scorning its shame and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why is that important? Because when you get weary, you lose heart. That's why. When you get tired, when you get, you know, when you say some of the things like like I've said in my past and many of you have said in your past, you know, what else does the universe have for me? You know, that kind of attitude. And you get weary and you get frustrated. That's the time where you stop and you consider, which, by the way, means to contemplate, to meditate on, to think about, right? I mean, we talked about meditation. Meditation is kind of like, you know, flipping something on the grill. You flip it, you flip it, you flip it, you flip it, you flip it in your mind. Consider Jesus. Look at what he put up with as an example. He 
is the creator and his own creation took him out. Ouch. That. Now that, see, yet he did not give up. That's just like, wow. I mean, you have to understand, that's worse than your children taking you out. If you're the creator and your creation takes you out, that's all of it. It's like, whoa, that is so intense. But in order to get through, right, he had the joy that was set before him. That's what he used to keep going. And then the scripture tells us, hey, consider him, one, well, that he went through and he got through it. And two, his strategy was to recognize that the joy was set before him. And you've heard me say on the show, and I'll say it a trillion times more if the Lord allows me to, look, you cannot live this Christian journey without having eternity in the focus. You cannot do it because you don't see the value of what you're going through unless you also see eternity with it. You can't, it's just like, it's like all the stuff we go through, it's horrible on many, many fronts. The devil hates you. You don't even know the devil. He still hates you because you believe in Jesus. So without that eternity for you to focus on and for you to fix on, and for you to set your eyes on, and without Jesus as an example, for you to understand that he did it, you can do it, he will strengthen you to get through it, this is what we have to do to not grow weary and lose heart and give up. Then verse 4 says this, and I want you to be aware of it from an expository point of view. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. That's the nice way of saying, yeah, you've been through a lot, but you haven't sacrificed your life for it, so chill out a little there, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I lost this, lost this relationship, lost this business, lost this sibling, lost this uh, parent, lost this child, lost all this stuff. Got it, got it, got it. You haven't had your body crucified over it though right okay so then pull it back a step that's kind of like the nice way to say it all right trivia we got to answer trivia ah, i'm on it today uh the question is in the book of revelation which church is described as being neither hot nor cold that's going to be laodicea the church that is neither hot nor cold and then jesus said i want to spit you out of my mouth which is not the greek word the greek word is upchuck just in case you're wondering Trying to figure out whether they're trying to be nice. Uh, translators were, but Jesus wasn't. All right, folks, you're listening to the D David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year-end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. 
Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? Before we pray and before we get going, it's important for you to understand kind of where I'm coming from. A lot of you who, uh, those of you that were in the first service are going, oh no, here comes that joke again. Uh, Wrong, it's a different joke, so we'll go with that. Let's understand that being born and raised Jewish and becoming a Christian is very simply understood for all of you. That means two Jews, three opinions. If you can't figure that out, you're going to have a tough time the rest of this time. So let's talk about what that perspective is and what I learned growing up. There was a lady and she was on a bus. And she was sitting next to a guy. And she turns over to the guy and she taps him and she goes, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, mister, mister, are you Jewish? And he goes, no, no, I'm not. She goes, okay, thanks. Going further down, she taps him again. She goes, excuse me, excuse me, mister. She goes, are are you Jewish? He goes, no, I'm not Jewish, but thank you for asking. I appreciate that. They go a little further down, and she taps him again. She goes, excuse me one more time, mister. Are you sure you're not Jewish? He goes, no, I am not Jewish. I am not. She goes, okay, right, fine. A little further down, she taps him again. She goes, are you really sure you're not Jewish? He goes, fine, fine, I'm Jewish. She goes, funny, you don't look Jewish. back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Let me tell you real quickly, I'm having a little problem with my phone. I had it the other day. I kind of reset it. It's still not working like perfect, so I'm getting like everybody's text delayed. So... (laughs) See, you love technology, but then you hate technology, right? It's just like, it's the greatest thing. It's the worst thing. It's just like, wow. So uh, if I don't respond to anybody today in regards to texting, it's not because I don't love you or anything like that. Okay. So I was trying to reach something out to Al because he actually, what he said was hilarious. And I was going to tell him it was funny, but I couldn't get it through the my phone. So, so. Al, it was funny. Okay. There you go. All right. I couldn't say it on the air, but it was funny. Uh, here's your trivia question. In the Old Testament, Elijah defeated the prophets of which false god? Okay, and we're talking about the first one, the first group. Your only hint is the answer should be no more than four letters. Okay, all right. Joanne and Cordelia, bam, thank you, bam, thank you. If you think you know the answer, 972 445 0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. You can also send an email, David, at hemustincrease.org. And then additionally, we want you to go to the website for all kinds of reasons, but I'm just telling you right now, we need more money. 
So that's a good reason too. Check out he must increase.org. Website he must increase.org, he must increase.org. Email David at he must increase.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. Okay, dokey artichokey. Boy, I haven't done that theological term for a while. Oh, but somebody's uh, going to be answering the question. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. And the question is just, you know, in the Old Testament, Elijah defeated the prophets of which false. God. And so we do have somebody that's going to be answering the trivia question. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. This is Gene. Hi, Gene. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. All right. This yeah. this is not – I don't think it's a difficult question, but there were actually two groups, and so I'm kind of looking for the first group. So I'm pretty sure you're going to get this because I just have a lot of confidence in you. In the Old Testament, Elijah defeated the prophets of which false god? Uh, the prophets of Baal. That is correct! The prophets of Baal. Now, I will say, and I've got to be careful how I say it, but I will say one of my favorite portions in that is when Elijah says maybe he's busy. Now, you know in the Hebrew that's not what that means. Okay, what it means is yes, he was yes, he was yes, sir, very entertaining. <laughs> yes, that's right. He's like, wait, is he in the outhouse? What's going on here? <laughs> it's like, wow, that was such an insult that is incredible, uh, huh? <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Very entertaining. <laughs> Excellent job, my brother. And that's the kind of stuff we love. We appreciate it. Okay, well, we appreciate you and. I'll uh, I'll give you a, a, a heads up warning. I'll call in again and bother you again in the future. I love it. Please do, <laughs> my brother. Please do. You have a good one. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. See, I like that. He's he's forewarning me. Oh, there's more to come. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right. Uh, good job, my G. Did a great job. Uh, what do we got? History. We got, oh, yeah. <laughs> Captain Chris. Oh, yeah, history. Let's go yeah. living in the past. Let's go living in the past. All right, just real quickly. Uh, apparently, it was supposed to be uh, official Lost and Found Day, but I don't know because I lost my paper for it, so I can't find it. Okay, thank you. Dewey Decimal System. They still have that Dewey Decimal System. Is that really still around? The Dewey Decimal System? I guess it should be. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. All right. <laughs> I've just got nothing to say about that. Uh, the first traffic lights are installed outside the Houses of Parliaments in London on this day in 1868. Right? Isn't that weird? All right. Uh, Jim Hart, 1971, throws a football for a record 98 yards, the longest recording recorded throw. Uh, and then I would compliment this, but I got to be careful. So I'm going to be careful. 1992, Walt Disney's The Mighty Ducks announced they're putting an NHL hockey franchise team in Orange County, California. And of course, this was after the movie, The Mighty Ducks. Don't tell me that wasn't marketing. <laughs> See, they do a movie, Mighty Ducks, and then they get a team. Okay, see, that's 
That's sneaky. That's what that is. Okay, we'll just move on from there. Are we done? Okay, great. All right, so the first two sections were only to get you to this section. Isn't that nice? That's is that. Now I tried to be encouraging. Talked about Hebrews 1, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 3, Hebrews 4. I'll, I'll go through it real quickly, but then we're getting to the point of everything I want to say. And this is it's really just all in this next section. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Good idea, right? The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, it sat and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Verse 5. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? Now just stop. It's not even, it's almost the way it's being. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? I don't know, author of Hebrews. What is the word of encouragement that you're about to share with me? I'm interested now. You've got, you've piqued my interest. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Wait, time, time out, okay, time. So my word of encouragement is that the Lord disciplines me and that he rebukes me. That's my word of encouragement. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like the lotto numbers or, you know, free dinner, free steak dinner or, you know. Verse 6, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. So, in the beginning of this text, you know that the author is just, it's almost dramatic. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? No, no, we haven't. No. What word of encouragement is that? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline or lose heart when he rebukes you. That's the word of encouragement? <laughs> it's like, that's a normal, don't, this, right? What's, what's that line that parents use on kids? This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. First of all, no, it isn't. But anyway, let's go back to this reality. God disciplines because why? Verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And so the idea in this is that that what's being communicated is that God demonstrates his love through disciplining us. Because he cares enough about us to discipline us and not let us go off off the world chart, so to speak. He wants to keep us in his kingdom. And so the idea in this is to understand that God loves us and proves it to us by his discipline. The worldly 
understanding of love is wouldn't even involve the word discipline, which tells you why the world doesn't have any good definitions. Now, it is true that Webster was a definitive Christian, and the original Webster dictionary was really pretty good, and there's a lot of great stuff. But now, words have lost their value or their meaning in a society where people have lost their minds. And so now, the word loves means whatever people want it to. And it's like, no, that's not how it goes. One of the reasons that truth comes before love in the process of Scripture is because you don't know what real love is unless you know the truth. You can hear the word love, and it conjures up 20 different things. That's great. Let's get the definition as God declares it, not as man declares it. And here's a part of that proof of his love. I love you, so I spank you. It's like, wait, what? But you see, you know that God does it out of perfection, and he does it to help us, and when everybody else does it, it's not quite that to that same level. And then this one line in verse 7, which for some reason escapes uh, even me a lot of times, is, is, and I don't mean that pridefully, it's just like I know it, I just don't think about it, and that's verse 7. So God disciplines everybody he loves, and then it says in verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. Sometimes hardships, not just God taking a two-by-four and whacking you on the head, sometimes hardships are the discipline of the Lord. And that's a demonstration of his love. How can anybody rejoice in trials? How can anybody rejoice in hard times? Because they demonstrate God's commitment of love, which is eternal. But Dave, I don't understand. Yeah, me neither. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. That's why Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belongeth unto the Lord. And our requirement is to trust him. Yeah, well, yeah, there's there's that part. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll take a break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Can't stand the skill, can't stand the shame. It may be false, but it feels the same. What is the David Spoon Experience? I cannot wait, though. I have to do this particular sound. We might interrupt uh, while I'm doing the teaching, but I got to do the sound because it is time for Bible Baloney Beatdown. Hello. Hello. It's now time for David Spoon's Bible Baloney Beatdown. Bible Baloney Beatdown. I'll knock your brains out of your head, Annie. <laughs> I can't believe I'm allowed to do that. I love that. Anyhow, uh, Bible Baloney Beatdown has to do with the kingdom of God. So there are people that go, well, you know, in Scripture there's so many contradictions. Like what about when Jesus said, if you're for me, uh, then you're not you're not against me. If you're against me, you're not for me. And they kind of mix it all up and so on and so forth. Let me just help out and just kind of set the record straight, keeping it simple. There are two. Now watch what I'm going to sh- I'm going to show you. There are two. Okay, watch. Somewhere between 1 and 3. There are two. Okay, here you go one more time. There are two kingdoms. Now I'm going to I'm going to blow your mind when I say this. There is the kingdom of God. Right? Everybody would agree. Okay, got it. Seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and then there is any other attempted kingdom. 
There is the kingdom of God, and then there's any other attempted kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of men. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. There's the kingdom of God and all the other ones. Okay? Or, and they're all just wrapped up in the one thing. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdoms that are not the kingdom of God. <laughs> That's all we got. That's all it is. Luke chapter 9, verse 49 through 50, John responded, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow us. Verse 50, don't stop him, Jesus told him, because whoever is not against you is for you. Keeping this in context, the person is not opposed. This is very important. The person is not opposed, but for the kingdom of God. He's not neutral. He's a kingdom advancer. He's somebody that is advancing the kingdom, casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. And John is like, well, he's not one of us. Okay, that's a whole separate sermon, a whole separate issue, which I'm sure your pastor has taught on many times, and that is the last thing that you need are a whole bunch of more people just like you or just like me. We need people to be like Jesus, and they don't need to follow us exactly. They need to follow Jesus, and I don't want to have – I don't want to reproduce a thousand me's. I want people reproducing being Jesus because I'm not going to do anything, but people who are more like Jesus, they make a difference. And in context, this person was advancing the kingdom by driving out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. He's a kingdom advancer. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Once again, I am going to reiterate, my phone is freaking out. Is there? Do we have a freak out noise? I don't know what we have. Do we have anything? How about something where it falls in the water? Because <laughs> that's kind of what it's acting like. So the reason no. I'm... Yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> wait, that's long. Uh if I don't get back to you on text, it's not because I don't love you, okay? It's not because I don't appreciate you. It's because we're having phone problems, okay? So I don't want anybody to get upset or get mad. Or, we didn't text me like you normally does. That's not going to happen today. Uh, and you'll all be lucky if this phone doesn't end up across the street by the time I get to my car. That would be more honest than anything else. Uh, I got to think if I have insurance. Okay. Uh, Here's your next trivia question. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, whose words was he fulfilling? What prophet in the Old Testament, what prophet in the Old Testament wrote about that ahead of time? You can try and text in. If it gets there, it gets there. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's the best we can do. If you want, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can also, hopefully, text 214-210-8483. And then you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. All that, if it works. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Let's see. Update on Noel. She's feeling better. Levi's doing much better. Everybody actually is doing better, so I'm pretty happy with uh, how that's going. Um, Please check out the website only because I gave the updated schedule for Christmas and New Year's because we're going to be off a couple days in there. And then there's a preempt on one of the um, (laughs) – 
CL. See, I got that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a preempt on one day for SMU basketball. Okay, so I, I'm trying to update that every week. Eh, it takes a little bit. Is there anything else we need to cover? I can't remember if we've lost everything or just lost our minds. Is that pretty much how it goes? Thank God it's Friday. Oh, amen. <laughs> you can play that again. Thank <laughs> God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. How's that? Is that good? Well, no, That's good. pretty good, huh? That's a live version right there, folks. You don't know that. Okay. Dave is losing it. No, that was, um, I think that was 20 years ago. Now we're just in the (laughs) overall descent. So what I want you to get from this and what I find to be the hardest part about this is that God uses discipline and hardship to demonstrate his love. Ironically, um, that is how James and Peter concluded that trials were beneficial and that you could rejoice in them. It was because those trials— convey the love that God has that he commits to bother to orchestrate our lives in such a way that he disciplines us either through hardship or through direct rebuke by the Holy Spirit or through direct rebuke by the Word of God or through direct rebuke by people that are in our lives. He coordinates our life that way, and that speaks of his love. And so it's it's like, wow, you have to think of it in those broader terms to get it. In the middle of a trial, it doesn't feel that way. But then again, your feelings can't be the first engine on the train, and neither can love, unless it's biblical love, then that, that would be different. So going back to the text and just reading it and making sure we got it, verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. If you want to know if you're a child of God or not, one thing you can absolutely be convinced of is if you're going through hardships and God is disciplining you, that proves you are a child of God. And so people think, well, no, everything should go swell all the time. Yeah, just like when Jesus was with the disciples and he said, uh, all right, let's go to the other side. And they all got into a boat and a big uh, storm came. You couldn't be any more right in the will of God than they were since Jesus said, well, we're going to get in the boat and go over there. And they were like, okay. But in the middle of the will of God, there was still a storm. So it's like, relax. Just because there's a storm doesn't mean the Lord is not with you. Although I will confess there's many times it seems like he's sleeping, right? I mean, that's, and even the passage illustrates that. But the idea is that when you go through hardship, when you go through discipline, God's treating you like his child. And then verse 8 says, if you're not disciplined and everybody undergoes this discipline, then you are not a legitimate child. It's like, wow. Just think about that. You're not a legitimate child of God if he doesn't discipline you. So everybody who thinks, I just want to be left alone. No, you don't. (laughs) No, 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 you don't. Okay? All right. I'm about to finish up. I'll give you the trivia one more time. Uh, When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, whose words was he fulfilling? If you think you know, you can uh, write back. It's one of the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Joanne and Cordelia nailed that right off the bat. Verse 9 in this Hebrews 12. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines for our 
our good in order that we might share in his holiness. God is the only perfect parent, period. And while I ascribe and understand and agree that good characteristics of parents are something that you can attribute to God in his parenting, no human being parents with the spirit or the rightness that God does. That's it. There's no—it's not a discussion. If your dad was the worst—he uh, was a—he uh, was uh, either abusive or physically abusive, verbally abusive, whatever the case is, that is not God. If your dad was a terrible provider, that is not God. And so any of those parental images that you have, any of those authoritative images that you have that you have either purposely or accidentally— pushed onto the Lord, you got to take them back and strip them down because everything God does is without flaw. Not according to your standards, but according to actual standards. Get that? And he only disciplines for the sake of helping us. He's not disciplining because he's bored. I'm bored. I think I'll drop a a donut on somebody's head. (laughs) I mean, you gotta, we got to do better than that, I think. <laughs> I think we got to think better than that. All right, verse 11 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, fa- but painful. Yes! I fully agree with that. <laughs> it's, how could you not agree with that? Right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's the other hidden key. Your discipline process is for your training. You do remember what you're thinking now? Wait a second. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Remember that guy named David and David, that guy, took out that really big dude, Goliath, nine foot six, by the way. That guy could have dunked by, you know, lifting his arm. Right? Then he was told by Samuel, hey, hey, you're going to be the king. Isn't that awesome? Then you know how God trained David to be the king? He had, ha- he had Saul hunt him down like a dog. And David had to hide in caves. And he had to run away to not get killed in certain circumstances. He had to duck and he had to dodge and he had to move. That was the school of kings. Why is that the school of kings? Because God was beating the Saul out of David. Oh, that is just brutal. And that hardship trained him to be the king. It's so cool. It's like, oh, only God could pull that off. (laughs) Nobody else could pull that off. God trained David to be king by beating the Saul out of him. You typically think a school for kings would be like, you know, oh, the proper decor is to lift your pinky when you drink from the cup. David's school was duck. (laughs) Just think of that. Think about that. It's a wild thought, but that training prepped him. Oh, I just think of that. I'm overwhelmed because of all the complaining I do. And then, uh, and then recognize God's training. He's training. You're thinking, well, what do you mean? You got a, you're doing radio and da da. I'm still trying. I don't know what in five years. I don't know what the Lord will have me do. If He has me teach 
students that are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I can tell you that. I don't know. Here's what I know. God is faithful as a parent and perfect in his discipline. And through that discipline, he demonstrates his love. Totally cool. And he preps or trains you and I so that we can do the stuff he wants us to do and be the way that he wants us to be and reflect Jesus. It's like, that's good. Okay. I, sh- I should complain a little less. Okay, I shouldn't complain at all. All right, the trivia question. Got the trivia? Okay. You only got like a minute left in the show? Wow. Uh, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, whose words was he fulfilling? That's the question. The answer is Zechariah's words. That would be the prophet Zechariah. Uh, see, Zechariah, then it's Malachi, and then it's the end of the Old Testament. So it's two back from the end. So you'd go in the middle and then turn left, and you go over two. Well, that's how you give directions, in case you don't know that. All right, everybody, do not let the discipline of the Lord discourage you. Let it be a statement of his love and his training and his commitment to you. He only disciplines his kids whom he loves. You've been listening to the David Swin Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 72-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. Most of my life it feels like I've been running. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.